we have to, we have to first and foremost realize that this is not like, this is not new agey. This is not like us taking on Eastern religions. This is not us becoming Buddhists and like, and taking on what the East is telling us. This is us realizing that these things have been inherent in Judaism for so long and they've, they've been lost. They've been lost. And it's, it's not that they haven't been like written about. They're all over our sperm, but it's because of Gaulus. This is the direction that we went in. And now we have the opportunity to start creating that balance as we come closer to Mashiach and we start having the rise of, of this other aspect that, that has been lost from us. I think those of us that live in our heads come to a point in our lives where we, where each of us realize that it's not, it's not serving me anymore. I'm Esther, and you are listening to On Your Own, a podcast for Jewish girls living away from home. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you confidently navigate life on your own so you can achieve real growth and independence and take ownership of this foundational stage of your life. For additional resources, tips, and to stay up to date on future episodes, sign up for the On Your Own newsletter, linked below in the description. Looking forward to spending some time with you today. And now, to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to On Your Own. My guest today is Rena Reiser. Rena is a computer programmer turned mind-body coach and host of the Embodied Jewish Woman podcast. In today's episode, we discuss the definition of intuition, the difference between the Eastern and Western world, how to stop living in your head, the importance of identifying your triggers, the benefits of mindful movement, and much more. What I loved most about this interview with Rena was just the down-to-earth nature of the conversation. I'm quite a logical person most of the time, can't say always, um, but I generally do have an aversion to anything that I call woo-woo. But I can safely say that Rena helps us explore deep topics such as our intuition, the mind-body connection, and even inner peace in a really tangible, relatable way. For the majority of time when I was living on my own, I lived up in my head. I thought about everything all the time, and I was also super disconnected from my body and any sort of inner voice, intuition, all of that. And because of this, I ended up pushing myself to places that really weren't healthy for me. I also lost touch with a lot of cues that could have been really helpful in guiding me through tough decisions. And I also missed out on the present moment a lot because I was in my head. I do not want that for you. And hopefully this conversation will help you to rebuild trust in your body's messages and then also maintain that trust over the long run in Mertz Hashem. Let's get to the episode. What is the biggest misconception that people you've come across have about the topic of intuition? I think the biggest misconception that we have actually is that we can just have intuition come from nothing. And... Truly, intuition comes from something. Um, when we're grappling with something in our lives, so um, we we need to sometimes do some research and look into things and learn some more things about it. And then in that moment, once we have like a whole bunch of information, 
And then we can allow our intuition to, to, to come up. That's one def- definition of intuition. And that's one issue that comes up. The other type of intu- intuition that comes up is something where we just get like, we just get a sense about something, right? Like we just like, I don't know, we just get a feeling about it in our bodies that tell us that something about this situation is like different than the way that that our minds are telling us about it. Like we get that like gut kind of feeling. Um, and I am wondering what are people's biggest misconceptions about that type of intuition? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have to leave that one open for now. And what would be the difference between these two types? One that comes from first amassing a bunch of knowledge and then I guess this intuition coming in versus maybe more of like a flash uh, of insight. I don't know if we could call it that or gut feeling. Right. Yeah. You know, these, it's so difficult when we have like just general terms for an idea and then we all kind of use the same term and it means different things. Mm. So that's why I'm trying to bring in both ideas here so that we can have a bigger, more overall view of like the different types of intuition. Um, one of them. So, so the one that comes from like when we, when we amass ideas, if we look at it from like a Jewish perspective, from a Torah perspective, we can talk about Chachma, Bina, and Das, right? Being like the different levels. So Chachma is something like I take in information. I take in knowledge about the world, about Torah, about whatever, whatever I'm learning. And then Bina comes from the word, like leave note to build. And so then I take what the the knowledge that I've amassed and I build on that and I come to different conclusions and I sit with it. There's this other thing that happens that's more like, it almost, it feels like very divine and very God-given and this farm, like Sifri Kodesh talk about it. So our Svarim talk about this idea of, of Seichel, of Seichel Alyom, that when we're grappling with some sort of situation in our lives, and we're not sure what the solution is to something, if we can sit with the idea of, that we're grappling with, we can actually get like Seichel, this like sudden idea, this knowledge poured into us from Hashem, right? This is not like, totally out there. This is not new agey. This is brought in our time that when we're grappling with it, a, a, an issue, whether it's like a life issue or we just want the answer to something like a, 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 we're learning something. We want the answer to come to us that Hashem will literally pour it in when we focus all of our intention in on this thing and let our minds go from other things that we might be thinking about that the, the answer will come from Hashem and he'll, he'll really give that to us. But as I'm saying, as I'm saying this, I'm like, there's, there's really, there's another type of intuition <laughs> that comes up. And that's, that's that, that gut feeling that we get about things really, I think comes from, comes from our nervous systems. Our nervous system is this, like, it's this force within our bodies that's responsible for our well-being. It's like a radar system almost. That's like always tracking and trying to see, am I safe? Am I in danger? Is there a threat to my life? And it's constantly on, without us knowing, without us being consciously aware of it, our nervous systems are always sensing. And the word that's developed for this is neuroception. Like our, they're always looking, our, the nervous system is always looking through sex, like to, to see. It's always looking and seeing, am I okay? Am I dangerous? Is there danger or is there a life threat right now? And again, this happens below our conscious awareness. 
And so when I meet somebody for the first time and I look at them, even before my conscious mind has made up how I feel about this person, my nervous system has already decided whether this person is safe, dangerous, or life threat. And my nervous system has already like kicked into action and has already sent all kinds of hormones throughout my body to, to decide how I'm supposed to react in this situation. If this person is safe, then I will be able to open up and I'll feel warm around them and I'll feel comfortable talking to them. If this person's dangerous, then my nervous system will push me into fight or flight and I will either fight them or run away from them. And if there's a life threat, then my body will do something to, to kind of collapse because there's, there's actual threat to my life. And all of that is happening. We get this, like, we get this gut feeling about this person, right? Like, I don't know. I'm like, something about them is a little bit off. I'm like, not, you know, not quite getting it. So that, that gut feeling, we would also call our intuition, but it's really, it's coming from a physiological response in our body based on our nervous system's neuroception of, of the situation. Where is the nervous system? What information is it basing these decisions off of, whether to trust or not, whether to run away? What what information is it using to decide? It's a really great question. It's very complex, and I don't myself understand it completely. But every time we look at a situation, our nervous system uses both previous knowledge and just basic physiological um like like when my nerve when I look at you, so if your posture is like a healthy posture, your pupils are like a normal, um, normal size, and you have a smile on your face. So my nervous system says, "Oh, hey, that's that's someone safe." Hmm. Right. So it's looking at our basically it's looking at our social cues. Essentially, it's looking at and and again, so many of these social cues are not things that we're consciously aware of. Like. If we're having a bad day and like life just feels really, really difficult, our physiology is going to take on that look. Like our posture is going to be different. Our our pupils are going to dilate. Like all of these things are happening. We're not we're not consciously aware of them, but it's going to send messages through what's called mirror neurons to other people, and they're going to get that sense, right? Like we talk about like having a couple is called like. There's real reasons for this, why we want to greet everyone like with a smile, with like a pleasant face, because we're truly impacting the other people that we meet. And so when we're having a bad day and we go out into the world and we show the world like that, you know, that like sadness or that frustration, other people are are truly picking up on it. Hmm. The the Tyra verse that's coming to me actually is Kamaim upon him upon him can leva Adam, like just as water. Yeah reflects your face so to the heart of man very very interesting so there are certain things that are just very obvious and I guess our body will react and will know that this is safe this is not there's so many gray areas however and that's I feel like where we get stuck like we as you mentioned before like we just don't know maybe something's not right we can't pinpoint what it is and we don't know if maybe we're just over exaggerating like how can we learn to actually tap into this maybe nervous system response in a way that we can rely on it maybe more. Right, right. Such an important question. The answer is, again, complex because our nervous system, like I said, it doesn't just respond based on what we see. Our nervous system also responds based on our own history. Hmm. So if we have a history where a certain look that somebody 
like I like to use the example, and this is not a personal example. I made it up, but it's one that so many people can relate to. If I, when I was in second grade, when I was sitting in class, if my teacher would glare at me when I spoke up out of turn, then my nervous system starts to associate the glare of someone's eyes as being dangerous, right? And so then when I see glares from other people, if I never resolved that interaction with that teacher, so then a glare is always going to shoot me right back into this is not okay. And I can feel frozen and not know how to respond, right? Like when someone glares at you, there should be an understanding of like, something's not okay here. Like something's not so safe here with this person. A glare, right? Is like, they're angry at me. Otherwise, why would they be glaring at me? But when you have like a seven-year-old girl who's sitting in class and her teacher glares at her, what kind of response can a seven-year-old girl have in moments? She's stuck in class and her teacher constantly does this to her. And so she might go into shutdown. She might freeze. And she never has the chance to, to process this experience with this teacher. And so then when she's faced with it again, not only does it activate her nervous system to feel dysregulated, but she start, she she no longer trusts herself about how to respond when somebody glares to her. So she'll have the gut reaction of something's not okay here, but because her past experiences did not allow her to like do something about it, to resolve it, she'll still stay stuck just like she did when she was seven years old. She'll still stay stuck and not trust herself. And so you ask, like, how can we learn to trust ourselves? What we have to become aware of is like all the different triggers that we have in our lives. And that might sound like really big because like a lot of us have a lot of triggers because especially for like women and especially for sensitive women, we like, we're sensitive to things. But when we can kind of like go really deep into it, we can start to isolate that there's there's like a handful of triggers that most people have, meaning they might show up in bigger ways and like many more ways than just the handful. But at, at its root, it's like a few things that each one of us is grappling with. And when we can start to show our nervous systems, not just, you know, like how often does somebody say like, it's no big deal. Come on. You were like in second grade, like get over it. But time. no, our nervous systems remember, like our brains actually like, our brains actually create what's called neuropathways which is essentially like, to give like a, an easy example, the reason why a toddler who learns to walk, so, you know, at the beginning, they like, they struggle with standing up and then they're able to get their balance and then they're able to walk holding on. And then eventually they let go and they're, they just like take off and they're walking as if like, as if they, unless, as if they were doing it like the whole, their whole life up until that point. Right. And that's because of what's called neuropathways in our brain. Our brain, every time we learn something new, our brain creates these these um, these these pathways, essentially, where neurons that that fire that that wire together end up firing together. And so this becomes our way of doing things. So that's why the way we walked when we were one or so years old, unless like something happened to us in our lives, is the way we walk decades later in our lives. And so it's true with any of these experiences that we have. Our brain literally like codes this into our psyche, that this is the way that we respond. 
And if we want to start doing something different, we can't just tell ourselves like, get over it. It was so long ago. Come on. But we actually need to show our nervous systems. We're safe. We're okay. Like, look, we're, we're no longer in second grade. Look, when that person glared at you, like, it's, it's not like, it, it, you're okay. You're okay right now. And you have the capacity to, to move out of that situation. And we practice that over and over again. And that's how we're able to do it. And what does that accomplish practically, being able to identify these triggers and then be able to resolve them? So you asked about like being able to trust our intuition more. So that's how we can trust those gut, gut instincts that come up when somebody, when we're like, I don't know, something's off about this person or this situation. And we can learn to trust it because we we're now, our brain is now creating new neural pathways. Like this old one that got created in second grade starts to weaken as we create the the stronger new way of doing things. That I'm okay, I'm safe. It's okay if somebody glares at me. I can I got I have choice here. I have the ability to do something different. And then as we practice that, that becomes our default. And so just as like Baruch Hashem for healthy people, they get up in the morning, they put one foot in front of the other and they walk. Right? So so too that starts to become our default that we can trust ourselves again around around our instincts for things in life. And, and and I'm just trying to say that would be because you know that you don't your instincts are not coming from second grade or from a, fl- a place of feeling unsafe. They're coming from a mature response that you can trust. Would that be the difference? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the response is the same, right? You still had that feeling in second grade, but you couldn't do anything about it. Your choice was limited because you were stuck in class with a teacher who wasn't acting nicely towards you. As an adult, when you can start working through these things and, and again, not just telling yourself, but showing yourself, I'm okay, I'm safe. So then you're, you're able to have that same response inside of you, that same like gut feeling about a situation, but be able to choose, actually have choice. Mm, okay. So to be able to maybe even turn those triggers into something that we can actually use and direct us in a rational way instead of them actually triggering us into a state that isn't the one we want to be responding in okay very very interesting and I'm I'm so interested about the the first type of intuition you were talking about about like these um messages that Hashem sometimes sends us because I know that sometimes when we have these feelings inside we really it's very hard to like trace exactly where it comes from and I don't, maybe this is too complicated of a question, but is it possible to know like this response right now is from my nervous system and from my history or this response right now is because Hashem is guiding me or is it the same thing? Is it very different? Yeah, it's a really, I I don't exactly know how to answer the question because like I said, these ideas of like, like I, you know, I can like, I can read about them, but like, what does that actually mean? I, I, these ideas are like so much bigger than me, but I will tell you one of the ways that that I can, I do it in my own life where I can ask myself, like, where is this actually coming from Mm. is to always go back to what are my values? What are the things that are important to me? Because if the things that are important to me are, are, are as they are. And so then I get this insight into something. I ask myself, is this aligned with my values? If it's aligned with my values, then I know that it's coming from, well, I can't know where it's coming from, but I know that I can trust mm. it. Mm, okay. And if it's something that's not aligned with my values, 
then I take a look at it and I say, okay, well, if this isn't coming from my values, this must be coming from a part of me that feels really triggered and unsafe. And that's why this is coming up like this. Hmm. So we need to have a, a compass um, that we can then like compare these messages with to see if they fit and they're useful or not. Exactly. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that exactly. we, we don't have to always, because I hear this term, trust your intuition so much, but maybe we don't have to always trust yeah. our intuition. What I like to, the way I like to look at it is like, I always want to trust it. I always want to listen to it. I mean, I always want to trust that there's something there, but it doesn't mean I need to honor it. It doesn't mean I always need to follow through on what it's telling me. Right. So like the same thing, if like, if somebody was sharing something about their day with me, right? Like I might not agree with them. I might not agree with their choices. I might not agree with everything that they're they're telling me. But if they want to unburden to me about their day and I'm their friend and I want to listen to them, so then I'll listen to them even if I don't agree with what they're saying. Mm -hmm. right? And it's not a contradiction. I don't have to like tell them like, I don't have to put them in their place because, you know, because I disagree with them. I can I can tell them I can just be there and listen to them and hear them out. And then if they want my advice, I can give it to them. But more often than not, they just wanted to talk. And mm -hmm. I don't have to, I don't have to, again, I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to act on what they're telling me. So, so too with our intuition, we listen to it. We want to respect it. We want to, we want to hear it out, but we always want to check before we go on and act on it. If it's actually something that, that is aligned with, with, Torah and with our own personal values, things that are important to each one of us. That is fascinating. That makes this term that I've heard a lot, again, the trust your intuition makes a lot more sense. Like trusting it doesn't mean always following it exactly as, but trust that it has something to say and that will then allow it to speak up mm -hmm. next time, I guess, because if you squash it, you say, where is this even coming mm -hmm. from? You don't know what you're saying. I don't trust you. It's not going to continue speaking to you and then you're going to lose that wisdom you're going to lose that whole channel of wisdom exactly that's very interesting what do you think gets in the way of people being able to hear these messages and to trust them okay well we can also we can spend hours on this one um <laughs> <laughs> lots of big questions what i think gets in the way so i think yeah i think first and foremost what i shared about our nervous systems i can i think can get in the way Mm -hmm. That if we've, you know, had experiences where we were told not to trust ourselves, so then we won't trust ourselves. I think on top of that, there's there's something really interesting that exists in the world at large that definitely has has started to influence us in the firm world as well. And that is this idea of really honoring and respecting uh, knowledge for the sake of knowledge. And so if we look at the world kind of as split between the East and the West. So the Western world really respects knowledge and acquiring knowledge for the sake of knowledge and learning more and kind of puts down this, let's call it like the Eastern world, which relies so much more on intuition mm. and so much more on just my feelings about things. And, and the beauty of the Torah is really the blend of the two. I mean, let's not, let's actually say that differently. The beauty of the Torah is that the, the Torah has both. And the world has separated it into sep into two separate things. And so us, those of us who are living in, we are living in the Western world. That's, right. that's where we've grown up. And that's where, 
that's where our our lives exist. They live, they exist in the Western world. Those of us that are here and listening to this and participating, and we cannot fool ourselves into thinking that that hasn't influenced us. It, it hasn't penetrated the firm world. It certainly has penetrated into the firm world, and it affects the way that we think about life and the way that we see things. And so that that's that's how the world has been for so many years. Now, as we come, it's like very interesting. There's a beautiful book written um, by, it's called Circle, Arrow, Spiral, written by Miriam Cosman. And it's a beautiful safer that actually, like this is where this idea comes from. This is where I'm, I learned it from. Where essentially, as we come closer to Yemosa Mashiach, there's actually a rising of like intuition coming into the world, rising of the Eastern religions coming into the world and less of the West. Like the West has been like so much of the world for so long, yeah. like the modern world. And there's more of this like Eastern, you know, part coming into the world as we come closer to Yemosa Mashiach. And so as as there's this rise of of like the Eastern religion that that like more feeling coming into the world so we're starting to recognize that oh hey we're kind of out out of balance about all this and it's so it's because of the influence that we've had from the western world that and our tremendous respect for just acquiring more and more knowledge that has us say like well if i have a gut feeling about something i shouldn't trust it because knowledge is superior to anything Mm -hmm. else right the cold hard facts is superior so that's our tendency and that's how, that's what we've grown up within and i think especially women and sensitive women sense that there needs to be more than that and that's why so many of us are tapping into this other part of ourselves now like well what is intuition and let me let me try to access that part of myself because life feels richer and fuller when i can access that part of myself this is reminding me of something I heard. I don't know the source, but that when Avram sent Keturah, Hagar, away, he sent her with gifts. I think it's a medrash that, uh, that says that she was sent to the, to east, the right? east with the gifts of knowledge from Avram. Yeah. Which is just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Sounds very familiar. It, yeah, because it's absolutely a perspective that we have that we downplay the East as not having the same level of knowledge and advancement as, as we have in the West. But I do remember hearing that and that really opened my eyes that there must be some sort of legitimacy there if that's the case. And um, exactly. how, so if we haven't grown up in that culture though, and we don't know that language and it's also foreign and maybe even what we would call like woo woo, how can we, especially if we're more logical in nature as well so we have the west and we just have that like we live in our heads i'm someone who is like that um how are we able to embrace this east i, I don't know if we call it eastern culture but but the this aspect of trusting something deeper that goes beyond logic it's a really big challenge for a lot of people especially because on the surface level it sounds like it's not it's not aligned with torah right like right because and this, this is again this is because like so much of like jewish history has taken place in in like since the since the base of Mikdash was destroyed so much so many of the cultures that we were part of really valued the like more external aspects of things 
And that's that has been our gullus. Like the Greeks. They were the philosophers. Exactly. And look at the world now, like for the last, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, like this is what we've been living in for for so long now. It's just been this like this push to to learn and to understand and look at universities where people learn in universities for so long, right? Just for the sake of learning, getting another degree and another degree and another degree. And so, yeah, it's, you ask like how, and it's, we have to, we have to first and foremost realize that this is not like, this is not new agey. This is not like us taking on Eastern religions. This is not us becoming Buddhists and like, and taking on what the East is telling us. This is us realizing that these things have been inherent in Judaism for so long and they've, they've been lost. They've been lost. And it's, it's not that they haven't been like written about. They're all over our sperm, but it's, there's for, because of Gaulus, this is the direction that we went in. And now we have the opportunity to start creating that balance as we come closer to Mashiach and we start having the rise of, of this other aspect that that has been lost from us. I think those of us that live in our heads come to a point in our lives where we, where each of us realize that it's not, it's not serving me anymore. So for example, I can share for myself that I lived in my head for a very long time. I excelled at math in school. I loved seeing the world as a math formula. I went according to what like Mm -hmm. made sense, pros and cons lists, very much lived my life like that. And then there came a point where I I had a lot of physical pain, had some health issues, and at a certain point, my body was screaming at me, literally, to 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 start looking at wow. things from a different perspective. And when I started exploring this other side of things, that's when I I had more balance in my body. Things stopped hurting as much. Health issues started to resolve themselves, and all around, I just felt like a more wholesome person and individual. And so, you know, I think for some people, like they just, they keep going and going and going and going and going and going with that more rational, logical side of things. Um, And they live their lives like that because there isn't something that really gives them the push to make that change. Um, But those of us who have experienced, you know, like things that kind of halted our lives from moving forward because of different pain and then started exploring this other incredible side to ourselves and realize that like, even though the world thinks I'm, I'm crazy, (laughs) which people do, they think it's like so nutty that I'm so into this stuff. And like, why are you like spending so much time on this? And why do you listen to your body? And, you know, like, why do you care so much about that? What, what's important are the numbers and the facts, but my life is so much better. My life is so much better ever since I've started to tap into that and find the balance within myself. Wow. I know I keep asking you for like very <laughs> logical, as you could probably hear my brain. I love everything. We like all do. Clear cut. Our, um, can I pause you there for a second? Like if we think about our brains, if we think about our brains, like when we're children and our brains are not fully developed. So we live in a world of like imagination and like excitement and like, you know, you, if you see a child playing with a truck, for example, a toy truck, they've created like a whole story around this truck. And if you take that truck away from them, it's as if you like fired them from their job, you know, like they, they, their whole, everything is like in this truck that they're playing with. 
And as we get older and our logical brain starts to develop, right, our prefrontal cortex develops and like starts to run the show and it's how we make our logical decisions and it's how we decide how to spend our money and how to use our time and what kind of job to get and all of that. And it's important, right? It's really important. Yeah. So when we use our brains to try to understand something that's illogical, because it's beyond logic when we talk about like intuition, right? (laughs) Our brains are like, this makes no sense. So of course you keep coming back to that. That's what our brains want. And it's important to give them that as well. So I appreciate you going back to it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if a girl is trying to get like a, a picture, okay, like she's living away from home now trying to figure herself out and she wants to go down a path where she is in line with all parts of herself, not just the logical part of herself. What would that actually look like? Like you've mentioned that your life is just different now. It's better. What, do, like, what actually is different than what you were doing before? So if we look at it from the outside, like if you would like have a video camera following me around over the course of my day, you would see that every single day I spend time connecting to my, to myself, to my body, whether that's through, um, gentle, mindful movement, not to say that I don't do other movement also, right? Like I do exercise, but there's also, okay, everything I'm saying, there's like regular life stuff job, you know, dishes, like <laughs> making myself food, balancing my checkbook, all that regular brainy stuff exists. But there's also this side of myself of, of the gentle, slow movement, mindful movement of taking moments throughout the day to pause. Well, what is that? What is, what is gentle movement? What is gentle movement? So what does that mean? So our minds are like moving at like crazy fast paces, right? We have something like they say somewhere between like 50 and you know 80,000 thoughts a day that go through our minds, 50,000 to 80,000. Okay, so our, our brains are moving very quickly and they're like creating all kinds of connections and calculations and everything throughout the day. Our bodies move at a different pace. Like our, our intuition moves at a much slower pace. And so if we want to connect to it and we want to be able to have the patience to connect to it, we need to practice doing things slower. Mm-hmm. So mindful movement is really a way where we like, we really feel into what we're doing. If I'm stretching, for example, I'm not just like, okay, stretching, let's count like five minutes till we're done. I like to hold my poses for a long time, but like, I'm actually really feeling into it. How does it feel when I, when I go into this pose? How does it feel in my body when I stretch that way? How far can I go into this without injuring myself? That actually feels good. What's my limit right now? How does it feel in my body? What kind of release happens as I go into this, as I go into this stretch? So that's what I mean by being mindful, Mm -hmm. like really being aware of, of the whole experience of it. And that can be with walking. It can be, um, as I'm walking, I put one foot down in front of the other and I take a few moments to feel that the contact of my heel with the ground before my toes reach the ground and like noticing how fast I'm walking, noticing um, how how the ground feels underneath me, noticing different textures of different grounds that I might walk on, whether I'm walking on um, like a paved sidewalk or if I'm walking on cobblestones or if I'm walking on grass, it's all going to have a different feel underneath my foot. And so bringing awareness to that, that's what like mindful movement would be part of it. That's fascinating. So it's like, aligning 
the aligning yourself with your body and not just disconnecting, which we usually mm -hmm. do even when we're moving and doing something for our body, our mind is totally somewhere else. Yeah. Which again, I think there's, I'm not like, there's totally time for that. There's totally a place for just like checking out, turning on loud music yeah. and just, you know, dancing, like, you know, like there's listening to a podcast yeah. while you go on a walk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We can't be like mindful every moment of the day. We'll go crazy. <laughs> um, but I think the, the biggest thing that I really like to do, there are two two of the biggest things I like to do. And again, there's thousands of ways to do this, but each person needs to find the ways that work for them. Mm -hmm. So the two things that I really love doing over the course of the day are just slowing down my breath and bringing awareness to it. Just like consciously taking deep breaths, not trying to force my breath, but just pausing and just noticing. Like, okay, wow. Like I'm feeling all flustered. Like I have so much to do. I have so much to get done and I want to just like slow things down inside. So I'll pause and just take some deep breaths and just be aware of how my, of my breath going in and out of my body. And then the other thing I really like to do is to feel into the different sensations that are going on inside my body. So when we talk about intuition, um, very often there's like a physical sensation that accompanies it, right? So we started off by talking about like getting like that gut feeling in your stomach when you're talking to someone and getting a sense that they're like, there's something off about this person. Mm -hmm. So what is that? What Like if I asked you to describe what a gut feeling was in your stomach, so somebody might say, I don't know, like feels like tight. I feel like a little bit nauseous. Maybe, maybe it feels like butterflies in my stomach. So when we can start to bring awareness to our body's sensations like that, um, that gives us so much information to how we're doing. And we let, when we can bring awareness to the sensations in our bodies without judgment, with radical acceptance of whatever I'm experiencing, again, I don't have to like it. It doesn't feel comfortable very often. Um, I don't have to like believe what it's saying, but when I can just be with it, as it is, then I'm, I'm really letting my nervous system relax and calm down. So I'll give you an example of just the other day. I had a really busy afternoon of work and I finished work and my head was buzzing. Like I just like, I felt like a buzz in my head and it was so unpleasant. And I was having some physical pain also that just like came on all of a sudden for after I finished work. And I knew that like there's one of two things I could do, right? Either I could just, either I could like um, distract myself, force myself to just move on with my day because I had a million other things I still needed to do, which I know from experience would have just led the physical pain to get worse. My body would have started screaming louder. I've learned that over time. But what I did instead was I took, I took 10 minutes. I have like a whole ton of recordings <laughs> available for free on my podcast where like I, I really like I walk people through different of these exercises. I turn on my own recordings because in those moments I need support, right? Like it's not so easy in that moment where like my whole body feels like so uncomfortable. I turn on my own recordings where I guide myself through a process of deep breathing, of connecting to what's going on inside of me. And allowing my nervous system to unfold through just being with whatever I'm experiencing inside. And so after 10 minutes of doing that, the buzzing was totally gone from my head and the pain was like 90% gone. And do you need to be knowing exactly what that pain was trying to tell you in order to accept it and for it to go away? No, 
that necessarily. Is that necessary or is it enough to just be with it? Yeah. So it's not like a code you have to break every time. Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think though, I think the biggest thing though is the consistency in doing it. Like I think people have a tendency to get inspired by these kind of ideas like, oh, it sounds so great. And then they'll try it once or like for a week or something. And they're like, I don't know, like nothing's really happening. And then they stop. And, and I get it. Mm. It's like, you're doing something so different than how we're used to doing it. I think part of why for me, my body has such a quick response at this point, Baruch Hashem, like it's, I'm so grateful that it has such a quick response is because I practice it so often. And my body knows to expect it and to look forward to it. And so it'll give me signs like, hey, Rena, you haven't been paying attention to me. And I'll be like, oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Let's give you some of that attention that you've been seeking. Just spend a few minutes with you. And, you know, when I do that on a consistent basis, and I really do it daily, then things start to shift more easily. And with the women that you work with, what have you noticed, like, the ones who do end up doing it in the long run, what are they doing differently than the ones who try it for a week or two and then say, ah, next? I think there's like an inherent trust that, that starts to develop from the process. So even when things don't, like I gave an example of a time where everything went so wonderfully and beautifully, but it's not always the case. Like you asked about my clients, but I, I want to share one other example. That's okay. Like uh, for my own life, for that sure. happened first. Mm-hmm. When when the war first started, when the war first broke out here in Israel, so um, I was the second week of it. I all of a sudden started having tremendous body pain, like just came on like so quickly and so intensely, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this makes perfect sense." Like obviously, I'm undergoing a lot of stress, like everyone else. You know, there's like so much fear and so much unknown mm-hmm. and so much sadness and so much grief around everything and a lot, a lot to take in for something that like our brains don't really have the capacity to process. And my body was in so much pain that it didn't go away from one 10 minute meditation of like really listening inside. It took, it took a few days of just being in a lot of pain for, for, it was like close to a week until like the pain resolved itself. And I think what happens when you do this work consistently is you start to be able to be okay with that urgency of like wanting it to go away and wanting things to be different immediately and being like being able to sit with the urgency and allowing that feeling of urgency to like wash over you and say like, yeah, I totally see that there's a part of me that wants this different right now. There's a lot of compassion that comes and so that even when things don't resolve right away and things take longer than we want them to, which happens in life, things don't, it's part of life that things don't work out exactly as we want them to when we want them to, um, that there's more, more patience for the process. And so there's, because there's more patience for the process, there's more of a willingness to continue, even if right now I'm not seeing the results I want and trusting, trusting that by doing this, the results will probably follow. They might not, right? Like ultimately it's in Hashem's hands if we get the results that we are wanting in life. But mm. but there's a lot more patience. And so I see that with my clients as well, those who are willing to commit to doing the work and showing up. Like sometimes we'll finish a session and they'll be like, 
okay, I don't know if like anything changed, right? Like, I don't know if there's like any difference, right? And, but there's like an okayness in that. Like, I still, I trust my body that, that some change happened below my conscious awareness. And we try so hard to, again, like, it's just, it's part of the way our brains work. We try so hard to put meaning to things and that's okay. And that's part of just being a human being. And when we can practice that, like, it's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't always have to know and understand, but I trust that that I did the work and that the right thing is going to follow. I, I'm hearing a lot from this, the patience, also from connecting to your body, also to your breath. You've got to have patience to actually take a deep breath. It's, I just hear mm-hmm. like a lot of slowing down and, and it's something that, yeah, we're really always running these days. There's so much stimulus mm-hmm. going on. There's so many places we could be, especially for girls who have just left home and life is just <laughs> one thing after the other, after the other. And, um, this sounds like a real, I, I don't even know it's alternative or it's just really necessary, this, this slowing down. And for me, patience is something since having little kids, I've really realized it's a gift that like can actually <laughs> impact the quality of your life, the amount of patience you have in your life. And so what I'm hearing from this also is that just this going into this slowing down and allowing things to happen and being patient. First of all, before I end up with the question, is there anything that you wanted to add or make sure was was spoken about? And to, or to clarify? Um, oh, I could spend like hours clarifying, but there is something that popped into my head that I would like to share. Um, and that is, there's this really beautiful Sifzei Chaim, or Chaim Friedlander, um, that he he has a whole, a whole vad on Menuchas HaNefesh, which is something that like, who isn't craving in their lives, right? Like we all crave Menuchas HaNefesh. Yeah. I'll crave that, like that inner tranquility. And he actually speaks about how when a person acquires Menuchas Nefesh, it actually puts their like their bad mitos, it puts them puts them to sleep almost because a person has Menuchas Nefesh. Mm. And so when so if a person, you know, like he says that like Menuchas Nefesh is, is the foundation for any mitos work that a person wants to do. Because through having Menuchas HaNefesh, you'll see that your bad mitos just, just kind of lie dormant. They're just there in potential, but they don't actually come out. And so the more we can practice bringing ourselves into this place, which, yeah, it's so foreign for so many of us in this rush, rush, rush culture that we live in and push and do. and But it's the foundation for like any work that we really want to do on ourselves. It's the foundation for, for being in relationship. It's the foundation for being successful in life, accomplishing the things that we want to, when we can have this sense of inner calm, then we can, we can really, we can be and do so much more. And so, you know, I know for years I like, I spent like, I I knew these ideas and, and I, like you're saying, like, take a, take a deep breath. And I, I remember the times in my life where like, couldn't, I couldn't take a deep breath. There was just like, there's so much going on and I didn't have the, I didn't have the Menuchas and Avesh to be able to take that deep breath. And I think like what I want to kind of leave everyone off on is I'm sharing my journey and I'm sharing what's worked for me, but I want to remind you that there are are thousands upon thousands of ways to achieve this inner tranquility. And I'm sharing one, you know, one way of doing it through connecting to our bodies. 
if you found another way that's worked for you, that's again, aligned with our values as like from people, then go for it. Like this doesn't have to be the way, but, but find that thing that works for you. Find that thing that works for mm. you so that you can achieve that inner that you're craving. I end off with a question. If you could go back to the time where you had just left home for the first time, what is the one thing that you would share with yourself with that past version of you? Hmm. Let me take a moment to be with that. I guess I would say trust yourself. Right? Trust, trust yourself and learn to build that capacity to to trust yourself and the you know obviously find people that you can bounce ideas off of that are wiser than you. I think that's so important and not like I'm not gonna discredit that part. Absolutely that goes I hope that goes without saying by this point that we need that like yeah. foundation of 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 Torah wisdom. But but really learn to trust yourself. Learn to trust that you are setting out on your path in life and that this is the direction that you want to go in. And there will be naysayers along the way that will say all kinds of things. And ultimately, ultimately, ultimately you're making choices now in your life that feel right and important to you. And nothing that we, almost nothing that we do is like set in stone permanently. Right. And so I don't, I don't mean to say that like we live in a disposable society where we can just like get rid of anything and everything. I mean, we do, unfortunately, but that's, I don't mean just we can dispose of anything, but that so many of the, so many things like we decide we want a certain job, let's say, and we get an instinct that like, this is the job that works for us, but it ends up being a mistake. We like, we trusted our intuition and oops, we were wrong. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You trusted yourself and you followed that path. And then as you go along your intuition, if you continue, if you start listening to it now, it'll continue to guide you. And so if that means like changing your job in three years, so you change your job in three years, nothing, nothing bad will come from that. So practice, practice really listening to it now and trusting yourself and build that future for yourself. How the biggest thing I'm walking away with is actually we started off and you just ended off with that, that that trust, even if it's not always leading you exactly where you wanted to, the more you listen to it, the more it will continue to come. Yeah. And and maybe maybe all be to be able to to do that and to to really hear and listen and respond correctly to this wisdom. Oh, and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today, Rina. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of On Your Own. If you liked this episode or think it will be useful to someone else, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any questions, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, you can email me at onyourownpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week. And in the meantime, happy adulting. Happy adulting.